0: You know, we we started this year out, we started January out with the theme, In His Service. And today, for a few moments, we want to think about this, In His Service. But so often, we have goals in life, and part of our goals are often to be great. I want us to see today that greatness, it comes through service greatness comes through service in the spring of 1883 now i'm not quoting a a television show based on yellowstone either but but in the spring of 1883 two young men graduated medical school now these men were good friends but they were different and they different really in two areas, one in their appearance and the other in their ambition. Uh, Ben was more probably like myself in appearance. He was short and stocky. Uh, Will was more like Brother Marcus in appearance. He was tall and thin. And so, Ben, it seemed, uh, had a dream of practicing medicine on the East Coast, where Will wanted to remain in a rural area. Ben begged his friend, Will, to move with him to New York City, and there they would both make their fortune as doctors. However, Will refused Uh, Will was ambitious, but not in the same way as Ben. And Ben called Will foolish. Said he was foolish for wanting to practice medicine in the Midwest when he could make a fortune in New York. Will's response to Ben was, I want to first of all be a great physician. The very best... Of my ability. And years later. What we would find out. Is that the wealthy. And the powerful. And even now. The wealthy. And the powerful. Come from all over the world. To travel to Minnesota. To be treated. In a clinic. That bears Will's name a clinic that his father started and he and his brother helped move forward. The clinic that we would know as the Mayo Clinic. Here, these two men had very different ambitions. Ben wanted to serve himself. Will wanted to serve others. And Will's goal uh, to serve others made him wealthier and much more known than his friend Ben. Maybe, just maybe, Jesus wanted his disciples to understand about service in such a way. When we look here in Matthew's gospel, chapter 20, verses 25 through 28, the Bible says But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, Let him be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. This is God's holy word. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth, and we pray, God, that as we attempt to expound upon your word, that, God, you would. Hide me behind the cross. God, that you would come forward and you would speak to us. God, we pray that you would fix, form, and fashion the broken words of your servant. We pray, God, that as you speak to us, that you're glorified and your son is magnified. We pray, God, that we would be edified, that we would leave here encouraged and strengthened. We pray, God, that if there's one here who doesn't know you through your son, Jesus Christ, that today they would give Thought to their life, and that not only would they give thought, but they would respond to your invitation of salvation. God, move and minister according to your will and your riches and glory, and we'll give you praise for all that's accomplished. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we address this passage, we it helps to understand that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. Uh, this would prove to be a grave visit to Jerusalem. This was the visit that would result in his death and resurrection. Jesus had just shared with the disciples in verses eighteen and nineteen, saying, "Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priest and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him." to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge him and to mock and to scourge and to crucify and on the third day he will rise again it seems that for several months Jesus had his death and resurrection on his mind if we look back we can find that he is teaching this regularly to his disciples in the past few months And while Jesus, we can tell, is burdened by the upcoming events, it would seem that his disciples were excited about their visit to Jerusalem. This doesn't seem to make sense. Jesus, whom they're following, is burdened, but they're excited. You know, maybe it was because they were thinking that Jesus was about to free Israel that he was about to free them from the Roman government's control and set up his kingdom on earth. And and this becomes evident because uh, their, their line of thinking and their ambition is seen in James, John, and their mother. Because Matthew records that the mother of James and John asked Jesus to grant her son's one to sit on his right hand and the other to sit on his left hand in his kingdom. So here it appears that they think that this is about to take place. Now before Jesus answers her question, he asked James and John if they knew what they were asking. And he asked if they could drink of the cup that he would drink and if they would could be baptized in the baptism in which he would be baptized in. And ignorantly, they responded with yes. Now, I'm not being derogatory about those boys. I'm just saying they just had no idea what they were saying. They had no idea. They didn't understand what they were agreeing to. (laughs) But Jesus let them know that, yeah, you will indeed drink of this cup and you will be baptized into this baptism. They didn't know what that meant. It seems that we're not too far removed from James and John, truly. Too often we think, now that I've been saved, now that I've confessed Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I can drink of the juice from the lord's table and and i can be baptized because i'm positionally in him and god will just use me and it it can be known to the world that i am a great christian some would even teach that you won't even endure suffering Uh, and everything's going to be groovy all the time but the truth is that A life serving Jesus Christ is the greatest life that any of us could ever live. And while it comes with great eternal rewards, it also comes with great earthly responsibility. To serve him is to not compromise with the world. And not to compromise with the world means that we just may face hostility or betrayal or mockery or persecution and sometimes death. To not compromise with the world, it, it may mean that we find ourselves on an island all by ourselves or or it may appear to be to us that, that nobody is joining along with us in what we're doing and what we truly believe in and what it brings passion to us to not compromise with the world just might be the beginning of greatness yes. in our lives yeah. So when we look at today's text, we want to notice a couple things. First, his greatness by the world standards is deceptive. Now, in verse 23 in this chapter, Jesus gives the impression that he that someone will sit on his. Right hand, and someone will sit at his left hand, and whoever whoever God chooses in these two positions will have greatness bestowed upon them. The disciples still sought the Messiah's king, or still thought that the Messiah's kingdom would be restored here on earth. That that his kingdom is earthly kingdom, and and it would be. It would be filled with national power. And the other 10 disciples here, when we think about what James and John were asking, the other 10 disciples seemed to be outraged. As a matter of fact, they desired the same positions James and John asked about. I can imagine Peter and Andrew fuming over this. Honestly, the disciples should have been worried or concerned that two of their fellow brothers were asking this question, but instead (laughs) they were angry because James and John beat them to the punch. (laughs) You know, there are some things that ought to concern us, but we get angry because someone got there before we did. Yeah. Yeah. Now, why is this, why was it so important for them? Jesus exposes it in verse 25. He said, you know that rulers and the Gentiles lord over them and those who are great exercise authority. And that's what these guys wanted. They wanted to lord over others. Remember, they were considered as untrained and unlearned men. So what that tells us, while they had the, the basic Jewish uh, education, they didn't, have, they didn't sit before the best scholars. They weren't scholars themselves. And, and now, instead of being fishermen or tax collectors or men that the world was looking down upon, now they saw themselves as having an opportunity to lord over those who lorded over them. So (laughs) they saw themselves in position of power and authority and having dominion and position over others. You know, too often we have this warped or this worldly view of greatness. Contrary to popular belief, greatness is not dominion over people. When we think of figures like Alexander the Great, Cyrus the Great of Persia, Tsar Peter the Great of Russia, and Ramses the Great of Egypt, these men exercise authority over people of their countries. And it's no wonder we think that once we are in a position of power that we would be great. It's no wonder, because all down through history, that seems to be the case. Even, even people, even today, in this, in in, in modern time, we have, um, we see the same phenomenon taking place. We have people like Wayne Gretzky being known as the Great One because he dominated on the ice playing hockey. We also know the term of the Goat, and Michael Jordan is considered the Goat of the basketball court because he. Lived Literally dominated while he played professional basketball. Six rings he has on. Well, well six ain't on one hand he's got six rings from championships he was the greatest to ever play the game we know that that acronym goat means the greatest of all time well it wasn't just considered to michael jordan also uh tom brady is considered to be the goat of football he has more uh uh, super bowl rings than any other player has ever had he's considered to be the greatest of all time at the position of quarterback well what you're No, tiger woods was on his way he can't take that title because he still hasn't got more championships than jack nicholas but he was on his way until a seven iron stopped his career yeah seven iron across his head it just changed his destiny Now, you golfers, you understand what I mean by that. And I'll help you wise if you don't understand. His wife found him cheating and she took a seven iron to his head and it changed his game. He got in a wreck later in a bad accident and it just messed things up for him. I figured you women that don't know nothing about golf would appreciate that. Beware, husbands. You know, this view of greatness is deceiving. Just think about it. How many people do you know who serve in positions where they somewhat lord over others, positions of power, positions of authority, positions where they held dominion over others who thought they were great. How many politicians, board members, CEOs, sports figures, who they thought and the world thought was great, but they lost their reputations. They lost their families. They lost their businesses, their fortunes. And for the worst part, for some that were born-again believers, they lost their testimony because they chased after greatness by the world's standards. They found that power, authority, and position that they perceived came at a great price. And they found that greatness by the world standard is deceptive. So our question has to be, how do we view greatness? Do, do you, how do you measure wealth? Are you consumed by attaining wealth that you will sacrifice your family life, your church life? Your spiritual life by working so hard that you can't commit to anything outside of work. Oh, that's not going to make you great. I got, a, I got a hint for you. If you're doing that three days after you've dead and gone and buried in the ground, to have someone in your place. Yeah, it'll happen here. I pray it doesn't happen, but if I get killed today on my way to Wilmington, In six months or less, you'll have someone here. Actually, next week, someone will stand here and declare God's word. So to sacrifice everything to where we can't do anything for the Lord, it's deceptive. It's deceptive. How do we measure power? Do you measure it by the people that you have under your thumb? This can easily cause you to feel like you need nothing from anyone. And I got news for us. There's going to come a time we're all going to need something from someone. If nothing else, we're going to need prayer. And you know, prayer is the greatest thing anyone can do for us. You know, what it'll do is it'll give you a false sense of security, causing you to fail to see yourself in your own sin and, and your desperate need for a Savior. So, folks, chasing greatness by the world standards can cause us to look down on others. And it can puff us up with pride. And the Bible tells us in First John 2 and 16, it tells us for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the father, but is of the world. And when we look in First Corinthians 10 and 12, the Bible warns us, therefore let him who thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. Pride is a deceptive thing. Because it can destroy us. So we can know that greatness by the world's standards is deceptive. Because true greatness has already been demonstrated. If we look again at verse 23, what we find is Jesus says that some will sit on his right hand, some will sit on his left. But he he says who sits there is determined by God we can't miss that because what that seems to say is that true greatness is of God the greatness conceived by men is superficial and it's going to one day fade away it's deceptive but true greatness is by God and that's eternal Jesus says in in verse 26 he says yet it shall not be So among you. In other words, what we see as great, what the world sees as greatness should not be among God's people. That's not how we should see it because he says here, whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. Jesus is saying that greatness comes through serving others. It's when we are willing to minister to the needs of others that true greatness is demonstrated. Matthew 25, 34 and 40 says that when the king will say to those on the right hand, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, well, surely I say to you, inasmuch as you have did this to the least of these. My brethren, you did this to me. It's clear that true greatness is seen in serving others. If you want to be great, it's simple. Follow your calling as a believer and minister to others. Well, ain't that for preachers? No, that's for the body of Christ. That's for every born-again believer, including the preachers. We are to minister to one another. Here, it's great. However, we have to look a little closer. We have to look here in verse 27. Thank you, brother. Look there in verse 27. Jesus says, whomever desires to be first. King James says, chief. Whoever desires to be chief among you, let him be your slave. Now, this is different than verse 26. Here he's saying that the greatest, the chief among all, are those who are bond slaves. So Jesus here is making a distinction between twenty six and twenty seven. If you want to be great, administer, serve others. But if you want to be the greatest, then you become a slave. What does he mean by that? Well, what he was saying is that the person who ministers will often minister on occasion. <laughs> Their service to others usually comes when it's convenient or when possible. Possibly the bond or however the bond slave is bound to the Lord every moment of their life. The bond slave is always serving regardless of when or what or how difficult it may become. Maybe that's why God loves a cheerful giver. Maybe that's why he loves those who cheerfully give their time and their talent and their treasure. Because they become a bond slave to him. What is evident is that in verse 38 is that Jesus exampled this. Here, you know, it's something we, we can't miss this. If we want to be great, yeah, serve others. But if we want to be the greatest, we just got to serve him. And whatever it is he's called us to do, we do it regardless of when it is, how it is, or how difficult it may seem. No matter how uncomfortable it may be, we just do it. Our life is to be devoted to him. and that, that, You don't have to be in vocational ministry for that to take place. Your workplace, your school, well, your community becomes your mission field. Jesus, he he demonstrated greatness. And we see that right there in verse 28. There are three things he tells us in verse 28 that demonstrates that greatness. One, he said the Son of Man came. Do we get that? The Son of God became man. Though in heaven he was clothed in glory, he came to earth as a man and was clothed in flesh and blood. Philippians 2, 5 5 through 7 tells us, Let this mind being you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made of himself no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. He also demonstrated it in the fact that he did not come to be served, but he came to serve. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords came to earth, but he did not come to serve. Never has a king expected to not be served until this king came. You know, the sad thing is, we're people who expect today to be served. Yes, we are. (laughs) Preacher, you don't know me. I don't know how to know you. I'm I'm flesh and blood myself. You know, if you don't believe it, just observe restaurants. Go sit down in a restaurant. If you don't believe people want to be served, you know, people don't cook now. Why? So they can be served food. Say amen. Amen. Yeah, listen to this. You know what? We'll get mad if the service isn't up to our standards. We don't know if that that waiter or waitress, if their mother or father is dying. We don't know if their child is sick. We don't know if they just woke up with just a bad day. We don't know if the cook has almost lost his mind by being overwhelmed, but we want our service the way we want our service, and their tip will depend on it. Yeah. Now, if you want to get my goat, You sit down in a restaurant with me and not tip. I'll never go with you again. Because Jesus came not wanting nothing from us. Why should we expect the very best? Why should we expect our standards when we won't give him his standards when he didn't ask anything from us but to give ourselves to him? You know, I've, I've been in restaurants with people, and they start shaking their glass. The ice are shaking. You know, they've just lost a certain portion of their tip. They just lost. You know, as a born again Christian, it doesn't matter how we're treated, because it didn't matter how we treated Jesus. He died for us, Amen. so it shouldn't be. It shouldn't matter how we're treated. We still should be Christian. Yeah, I know you don't like this. (laughs) You know, Jesus came and he paid a debt that we could not pay. And he paid it on our behalf to wipe our debt clean. And so he came, he demonstrated that he came not to be served, but to serve. I think there are times even in a restaurant when we need to recognize what's going on around. And because of what's going on around, be willing to pick something up off the floor. Oh, you, they got restrooms. You can go wash your hands. Or make the table as neat as possible. Or help the waitress when she comes to the table and hand her the plates that she needs. Rather than just moving so they can reach over you or reach by you to grab something. Well, we're not doing nothing but talking. I think there are times when we have to understand that. Our duty is to serve. Even when we're in a place to be served, we're still to serve. Jesus demonstrated this. He gave his life. Look there, the third thing that he did here to demonstrate this, he gave his life as a ransom for many. Philippians 2, 8 through 11 says, And he being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, because he demonstrated what greatness is, God has highly exalted him and given him a name above every name that in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Because he served, because he became a bond servant. Yeah. He, is the, he is and will always be the greatest. Yeah. So what are we demonstrating as greatness to our kids and grandkids? Can I go a little further? What are we, as a church, demonstrating to the community? Do our kids and grandkids see us serving or do they see us lording? Does the community see us serving when it's convenient or do they see us always busy serving our community? Or do they see us serving at all? Do they see us picking and choosing what or who we serve? Or do they see us serving even when it's uncomfortable? Do they see us trying to make a name for ourselves do we want to make Reedy Branch great the name Reedy Branch great or do we want to work for the kingdom of God and make God great in this lost and dying world God's great without us but do we want to make him known to this world what is the what would the community say if we were to ask them that you know I'm convinced you know (laughs) We we, heard Brother Brian said earlier, God's doing something. He's up to something here. I don't know what all he's up to, but I'm glad that I can be part of it. Aren't you? Because here... Well, just a few things that's been done, and this is just a few things that I've gotten reports on. There's so many other things being done that I just haven't got reports on, but I know they're, they're happening. One is that our WMU's going out visiting in our community every month. They're going out at least twice a month, and, and folks, they're doing a great job because people are excited about their visits. Actually, when they're letting them know their visits, some are so excited they're going to town to have refreshments for them when they get there. On August 6th, and the 14th back to school supplies was given by our church by our children department or our kids ministry on December the 6th the mission team or members of our church who just happened for that day if nothing else joined the mission team and they went and cleaned the lady's yard who who was not a part of our church but get this this same woman's on dialysis three times a week I would think that she needed a church to come by and help Help her. You know, January 6th, this past month, the kids' ministry delivered plastic storage containers filled with body wash and deodorant to Lumberton's Christian Care, a shelter for the homeless. And while there, you know what they did? They just left backpacks for them too so they'd have something to carry those things with them if they left. A container of toiletries was taken to BART, an organization that serves HIV and AIDS clients throughout the county. This is some things that are being done in our church. Our deacons are at work trying to make sure that the needs of the church are met. Our cemetery committee is working to get things in place to provide more grave plots for the church family. I told you last week, we're preparing for people to die. Yeah, we are. (laughs) So... (laughs) We have somewhere to burn. You know we're all going to die, aren't we? And I'm, I'll be buying plots in that cemetery now that some are being made available. Other committees are working to ensure that that goals are met. They're working to toward the vision of our church and they're identifying and addressing barriers that we face and how do we get past these barriers. And I want to take a moment just to applaud all the efforts that's going on in our church because there's so much more that I've just uh, shared with us. Why don't we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Because he deserves it. He's working in the lives of people. I also want to encourage you for all that you're doing in answering the call that God is placing in your life right now to continue to work for his kingdom. And listen, if you're here and you're not part of any particular committee or any particular group, oh, you're welcome. If you're not welcome, come see me. If you're not welcome to the WMU ladies, you come see me. Yeah, I'm not part of WMU. You come see me. I'll have a talk with the WMU. If you're not welcome, men, to help our brotherhood, you come see me. I know Brother Curly personally. Yeah. Come see me. We'll have a conversation to make sure that you feel welcome. You know, it, you know, there are certain things that, that our men and women are doing, and there are certain things they might would love to do if they had the right people with the right skill set and the right age and energy to come in to help them. So Come. And be a part. You know what? To be part of the brotherhood, you don't have to be a Christian. But know that these men will share Christ with you. (laughs) Know these men will share that. that I'm just convinced of this. If you'll continue to serve with them, you'll become a Christian. I'm just convinced of it. Some of you wondering, what are we allowing? We're allowing the gospel to be shared. That's what we're doing. So I want to say, let's continue. Let's continue to do all that we can to the best of our ability for the kingdom of God. Let's continue to serve and and not worry about whether we're great in this world. Let's let God determine that. He's smarter than we are. (laughs) And he knows what we deserve and what we don't deserve. Because he came and died for us. Oh, if you want to be great, I want to encourage you. Let's get into his service. If we're in his service, we will become great. It may not be by the world standards, but it'll be eternal. It'll be what matters most. Every head bowed, every eye closed. As I do, thank you. As I do want to encourage you all, I can't do that without addressing those who may be lost today. There may be someone here today that if I were to ask you, if you knew without a shadow of a doubt heaven is your home if you left this world in the next 20 minutes, your response may be no. Well, let me ask you this. Do you want to be great? I want to assure you, you won't find it in this world. Not true greatness. The greatness that you might find in this world is deceptive. And it could actually destroy you. But true greatness comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a relationship with God through faith in Christ. Without faith in Christ, you can't have a relationship with God. Jesus has told us that we must come by Him, that no one comes to the Father except by Him. And if you really want to understand true greatness, you first of all must believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that He came to this world born of a virgin. That he lived a sinless life and he died for the sin of the world. You must believe that he was buried and on the third day he rose from the dead. And you must repent of your sin and trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Confessing him to this world that you belong to him and he belongs to you. You must commit to serving him. And you can't consider, you can't even fathom true greatness without serving him. So today, as they begin to sing this song of invitation, I want to ask you, are you ready? Are you ready to serve him? Are you ready to lay down your life? And give your life over to Jesus. Trust him. If you are, come. Come today. Let Jesus change your life.